Hello and welcome to Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror-related. Gems in the rough, little scene movies and movies that should be discovered, and I'm here to bring those movies to you. And uh, today I'm going to touch on uh, briefly how weekend one of uh, Four Nights of Fulci went, and then I'm also going to be talking about just a couple movies that I've been watching recently that uh, fit perfectly onto this show as well as um, as well as a show, if I have time, I'm going to talk briefly about a show that I'm watching currently on Netflix that is uh, fantastic. So I hope I can get to it. If I can't, uh, you can hear about the show on Movie Freaks Podcast, which I'm going to be talking about that show over there, which we're hopefully going to be recording tonight. Uh, but um, there was computer issues with my co-host and such is life, you know, computers... Eventually, they just decide to have a mind of their own and then explode. So, and I think that that's a bit of what happened. So, you'll hear uh, from him, him about that later on uh, Movie Freaks. But I'm going to get going on Four Nights of Fulci. So, night number one was House by the Cemetery. And that was uh, the third part in uh, Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. And uh, directed, in, directed by Lucio Fulci, obviously. And uh, made in 1981, and that was actually the last, uh, there was like this golden age of Lucio Fulci, in my opinion, and while there are some earlier works that I really, really like, uh, Don't Torture Duckling, uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, The Psychic was okay, um, there was this certain era for Fulci where everything he was turning out was just solid, um, and it started with Zombie, and uh, The Black Cat, uh, City of the Living Dead, House by the Cemetery, The Beyond, and, um, and New York Ripper. And then from that point on, after New York Ripper uh, in 1982, things started to go south for Fulci, in my opinion. Uh, he still had some really good movies, but uh, Manhattan Baby was one of my least favorite, if not my least favorite movie from Fulci. The production budgets got less and less. And the quality got less and less. The special effects got worse, uh, it's just, which is unfortunate. And there are still some gems out there. In fact, his last movie, either the last or second to last movie, Voices from Beyond, I thought that was a pretty decent movie. Um, and there are some other ones. Cat in the Brain is is silly, but it's, it's okay. Uh, I really liked House of Clocks, actually. And with a bigger budget, that would have been a really good movie. Uh, as it stands, it's still very watchable. And it has a lot of hints of what Fulci had been doing in the late 70s, early 80s. But anyway, so that that specific time, that late, late 80s, early, or that late 70s, early 80s, uh, was when I thought that Fulci made his best stuff. And uh, while House by the Cemetery isn't his best work, it still definitely falls into that. It's weird how the that's part, th- well, I hate to say part three, because they're totally unrelated, but they're still in tone... Uh, kind of related, I guess. Um, But House by the Cemetery certainly is no City of the Living Dead and by far uh, nothing like the beyond. But it's still cool. It has a sort of a shining vibe going on to it, which I like. Um, The acting, especially from our little kid actor Bob, is 
hilarious. Uh, but it's, as with almost all of Lucio Fulci's movies, a slow, foreboding, ominous pace. So there's just something about it that all the way through there's this dread-filled atmosphere. Uh, and even more so in Zombie, which is a masterpiece. It's still my favorite horror movie, or I'm sorry, not my favorite, my favorite zombie movie of all time. Uh, I would pick this over Dawn of the Dead, Day, Night, Return of the Living Dead, 20 Days Later, all of those movies. This is my favorite zombie movie. And I think part of it is because it's set on, uh, on an exotic island and it was shot on an island and it feels like it. But it's got everything. It's got hardcore gore. Uh, it's got a shark attack on a zombie. And it's done so well. It's like, how did they do that? Um, and I've talked about these movies before on my show. So you can go back to an older episode and listen to my, my more in-depth review of these movies. Uh, I, but I want to talk about the experience of seeing these on a really big screen at the nightlight. Now, granted, I have a theater screen in my basement and a projector, and so I'm able to see it on a 120-inch screen, but that doesn't compare to an actual theater viewing of something like this, to where uh, I put together, well, Curtis put together from nightlight, he put together, but I got him the files, the the Blu-rays to to get the trailers for, but we had some great grindhouse trailers in front of the movie and just old school. I went to go old, totally old school on the whole experience. And, um, uh, it went really, really, really good. Uh, co-host Eric Marner was there to talk about the podcast a little bit and uh, a little bit about what we're going to be doing with this. And then I talked for a little bit and gave some trivia about the movie. We did the drawing for the Blu-rays and, uh, it was just a, a lot of fun. Um, Yes, it's later in the evening. These movies play good at night, but it's still a challenge to get people to come out that late because uh, it's pushing. You know, I was I was rolling in the driveway at two a.m. and uh, you know I'm forty one now. I'm not twenty one, so that would have been early back in when I was twenty one. But uh, so it's just it it is a bit of a challenge getting people out that late. But we're working on it and we're promoting the thing. And uh, there was. Uh, a decent turnout for House by the Cemetery and an even better turnout for Zombie. I'm hoping that the uh, same applies for City of the Living Dead and especially the Beyond. I'll be very disappointed if the Beyond doesn't come close to selling out or hopefully does sell out because um, that's a to me that's a pretty big movie to be showing in Akron. So hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this, support the Nightlight Cinema, support uh, this type of thing. That way, we can do more of these. So. Anyway, uh, but it was great to see the movies on the big screen. Uh, did have a gentleman in Zombie that uh, was very animated and vocal. And, uh, you know, I part of me wants to be upset about it. On the flip side, it's one of those things where, you know, it's a late night crowd. And it's a really disgusting, gory Italian horror movie. Um, and you just, you just never know what you're going to get. So, uh, but... Anyway, it was fun. Met some really nice people. Got some good feedback. Uh, people were excited that we're doing this and that, that there's going to be even more stuff uh, coming in later in the month, uh, mainly The Shining. So anyway, uh, it was a fun time, and I'm looking forward to the next weekend, and I'm really looking forward to doing more of these in the future. And hopefully we can come up with some uh, some different alternatives as far as 
the the times that the movies are shown, either doing it on a Sunday to where we can do show it a little bit earlier. I know that the theater is closed on Monday, and that might even be an option. But there's something about these movies that it feels like they should be seen on the weekend, like on a Friday or Saturday night. So uh, anyway, so that was Four Nights of Fulci, weekend one. Weekend two is coming up this Friday uh, and then Saturday. So please support it. Anyway. Okay, so I want to talk about a movie that I have been, uh, I, I actually have had it in my collection now for about a week, and I haven't had a chance to watch it because I was so busy with The Four Nights of Fulci, getting all that squared away. Uh, so I had a chance to sit down and watch this movie last night. And uh, I, I might hit on this movie a little bit tonight on uh, Movie Freaks, but I figured being October is so uh, horror-based with Movie Freaks that this one might be good to talk about on my own show uh, because it falls perfectly into the cinema's soft underbelly, and that is Lumberto Bava's Blast Fighter uh, from 1980, I want to say 1987. Um, I'll have to do a quick search on that. But uh, reading the back of the, this is an import Blu-ray, um, so if you have a Region B player, that's the way to watch this, and I will say this right up front, if you like this type of show and the movies that I talk about, you're going to probably like this movie. I thought it was a, a really good time. It's not the greatest thing ever, but for, uh, for 85, 86 minutes, it does the job perfectly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about what it's about and all that stuff. And I don't believe that this has ever been available on, um, I know it's never been available on DVD and as far as VHS, honestly, even that I'm not sure of. I'm guessing at some point it was available, but I don't, I've never seen or heard of this movie. And Lamorta Bava is, a, and that's Mario Bava's son, and he's done some really good movies. Uh, I just recently watched A Blade in the Dark, which was eh, uh, but he did Demons, and Demons is one of my favorite horror movies. So he does have a pretty good track record for this type of thing. So anyway, the back of the Blu-ray here, and this is from uh, 88 Films in the UK, and they are doing a great job of putting out all of these uh, lesser-seen, uh, undiscovered movies, and I, I love that. So first off, it says on the back of the Blu-ray here, Lumberto Bava's best film, says Quentin Tarantino. So, ooh, okay. Quentin Tarantino maintains that Blast Fighter is the best movie that the legendary Lombardo Bava has ever called action on. And who are we to argue? Uh, I am, because Demons is way better. Uh, ultimately, this blistering bout of sweaty, sanguine-stained action horror is one hell of an exciting ride. And it, this is not a horror movie by a long stretch, but anyway. As an ex-jailbird seeking little more than a quiet life in the wilderness finds his scenic ideal invaded by some vicious redneck poachers. In response, blood is spilled, bullets are fired, and the real prey becomes man. In this righteous mix of first blood and the backwoods, backwoods shocks of deliverance and southern comfort, also highlighting a cast of Italian genre icons, including Michael Sapku, I guess? Uh, Valentina Forte and George Eastman and George Eastman has been in a ton of Italian stuff uh, Blast Fighter finds uh, Blast Fighter makes its worldwide Blu-ray debut uncut and uncensored from 88 films and uh, first off the transfer looks great and the sound is for this type of thing really really good the movie itself is exactly what the back of this says it is first blood 
and Deliverance, and I would go so far as to say Commando, all rolled up into one ball of Italian pasta. And uh, it's it's a perfect mystery science theater fodder, but uh, I love the fact that they really go go out of their way to showcase the violence on screen. Like, I, I would guess that that's where they got the whole, you know, kind of horror or whatever. It's pretty gruesome. Fake, but gruesome. Um, when uh, this, this, uh, this guy's, uh, his daughter shows up, and which is uh, in and of itself funny because uh, she's just terrible. Um, she shows up and uh, trying to convince him he's a good dad and blah, blah, blah. He, he, the storyline doesn't really go that far, uh, but there's, they're, they're trying to pad the running time. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm not going to get into the details of the story because honestly, now that I think about it, it's, it's fairly silly, but she's pretty bad. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to just spoil a major plot point here because I want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, she ends up dying in the movie and, uh, and it's almost tossed away that she dies cause she dies. She has a broken bone and it's like, it's, it's, it, eventually she finally dies and it's like, what? Uh, and by the end of the movie, which is a couple hours after that happens, our hero is alive and well and kind of dealing with other things. And that's just a, that's okay, whatever she's done. And it's just typical, uh, just typical for this type of thing. And I just, it's kind of funny. Um, I will say that the, the movie, when it started, the credits rolls up on the screen and, uh, directed by John old jr. Okay, John Old Jr. directed this, which is what? Uh, It was released in 1985, so there's that. Um, uh, It was originally slated to be a science fiction movie, but complications in production forced it to be scrapped, and uh, there was a new script written, and then since the film had already been announced and was being sold under the title Blast Fighter, it was kept the same, this name was the same, because honestly, it does sound like a science fiction movie, but it is not. Uh, and even the cover, if you just glance at the cover and you see the title, you think it's going to be a science fiction movie, but it's it's not. Now, this is what's cool here. Lucio Fulci was originally attached to direct, but eventually backed out, uh, which is crazy. And he backed out to make new gladiators. Ugh. He should have stuck with this. He should have directed Blast Finder. Fighter. Sorry, um, the uh, lead actor. Uh, his name is Tiger in this. That's that, that's his name. So not John Rambo. He's, he's Tiger, and uh, his the weapon in the in the movie is it is pretty cool. And that's the blast fighter. Is this shotgun laser cannon thingy whatever? It's pretty cool, and it does some serious damage to a lot of really really bad actors. So. Um, Anyway, there's a country song, a grating, horrible, terrible country song sung by Tommy Baby in the film uh, called Evening Star, and it's terrible, uh, but it was written by uh, the Bee Gees. So there you go. The Bee Gees and uh, Lombardo Bava come together for Blast Fighter. Uh, originally written as a remake of the Australian film Mad Max, and um, there is 
hints of that in here with the daughter dying and then him getting revenge, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but it is not Mad Max. Director Lamberto Bava stated in an interview that the story came to him while he was reading a newspaper in which an article told how an American in a na- American national parks, the game wardens were worse than the poachers and were selling off the animals. As he then went to America to shoot the movie, he realized that these parks were made more for men than animals. Nobody could care less about the creatures. Though no animals were hurt deliberately during the production of the movie, the shooting being stock footage, a young deer died of heart failure while moving, being moved in a cage from one place to another. So you got to just love those Italians and then their 80s movies with killing animals. <laughs> so anyway, um, but the movie is what it is. And if you are into grindhousey Italian ripoff type stuff, this is going to fit the bill perfectly. I'm glad I have it. I paid, uh, I think 15 or 16 bucks for it and it was worth every penny. Uh, I'll be watching this again. Definitely. So that's blast fighter. Now I'm going to move on and talk a little bit about this is, a little bit more for movie freaks. It's not as soft underbelly, but it's so good that I wanted to talk about it a little bit on on my own show so I could spend a little bit more time on it. And that is, and I'm not sure which podcast I heard talking about this particular show. It was either Horror News Radio or it was Collider, but uh, I think it was Collider. Uh, But a show called Black Mirror. And I had never heard of it before. And uh, they said it's so cinematic and it's so well-written well-acted, well-made, so uh, immediately I'm interested. So I go online, and I do a little bit more research, read the reviews, add it to my Netflix queue, start watching, and wow, what a show. This is top-quality entertainment here. Uh, Basically, the premise of the show, to my, at least what I'm taking away from it, is, and it's called Black Mirror, and it was, it's produced in the U.K., and uh, it's basically the dark side of technology, and everything seems to be just slightly in the future or an alternate reality Earth. Um, so the special effects, while, are, while used sparingly, are very good, uh, but it, nothing is set so far in the future that it, they have to – it was just done very right. I've already watched season one, which season one is only three episodes, but these are – 45 minutes to an hour long each. So they are almost mini movies, kind of like Sherlock. Uh, season one, wow, what a great first season. Uh, and I'm halfway through season two, and there is one episode filmed on season three. And season three is, uh, I guess, has been taken over by Netflix. I think that they are going to actually be producing and bringing it to Netflix. Because right as of right now, they've only made one uh, one episode for season three, and it's called White Christmas, and obviously it's a Christmas episode, but it's an hour and 15 minutes, and that's the longest of the bunch. Looking forward to watching that one. John Hamm is in that one, actually. So uh, season one, we have the National Anthem. That's the first episode, and then 15 Million Merits, and then the entire history of you. And then for season two, we have Be Right Back, White Bear, and the Waldo Moment. And I am halfway through the Waldo moment. I have not watched White Bear, but I actually watched Be Right Back earlier today. So um, I'm getting close to being done. But it's once I get stuck on a show, I just 
barrel through it. Uh, that's just the way I am. I wish I wouldn't be like that, but it's like, I got to see, I got to see what's next. I got to see what's next, which is what's great about Netflix is you can do that with Netflix. So it starts out with the national anthem and uh, prime minister Michael Callow faces a shocking dilemma when princess Susanna, a much loved member of the Royal family is kidnapped. And uh, immediately uh, I was invested in the show. Immediately I could tell high production values, uh, great acting, and a storyline that completely sucked me in right in the right from the get go, and um, at first I'm like, my only concern was that it wasn't going to be hard hitting enough. And I'm like, okay, it's rated MA for mature, so hopefully this really goes for it. And then you find out what our poor prime minister actually has to do to get the Princess Susanna back from her kidnappers, and it is beyond horrible. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And so it truly is the, it's just the dark side of technology because it dealt with technology. That one less so than any of the other episodes I've seen so far. Uh, In fact, that one there could have been been set in modern times. In fact, it it probably would have been considered set in modern times. Um, I'm not going to give the big, thing away with the national anthem because that's what makes it so like wow okay that's that's out there but it's a great start 15 million 15 million merits really embraces the whole concept of this twilight zone esque uh technology is bad um future blade runner future type thing um 15 million merits probably is my favorite one it is so well acted, and the special effects that are used sparingly, uh, especially it has a Nintendo Wii type of feel to it, and you, you'll see when you watch it. Uh, that might sound weird, but it's really, really cool. Um, after failing to impress the judges on a singing competition show, a woman must either perform degrading acts or return to a slave-like existence, and that is the very basic storyline. There is so much more going on in this thing. Um, it, it involves people on exercise bikes that uh, power this city or the world or whatever. And once you get to a certain amount of, well, once you get to 15 million merits, then you're able to perform in front of judges and hopefully go on to something better. And there's overweight people on the show or in this universe that are there to clean up after the people on the bikes. And it's just, it's a very grim tech-heavy future that is just depressing but so good, and the acting is so good. Um, and this, this seriously, uh, with a little bit more money behind it, this could have easily been a feature-length movie, a good feature-length movie. As it stands, it's a lean, mean, 61-minute, fantastic TV show. Uh, so great, great episode. The next one is The Entire History of You, and this is starring the gentleman that uh, played in Rock and Rolla and um, uh, a couple other movies. He's a really, really good actor. I don't have his name pulled up in front of me here, but um, anyway. Uh, Entire History of You is in the near future. Everyone has access to a memory implant that records everything humans do, see, and hear. And this is the grimmest one of the bunch uh, so far. Um, because And it's it's so cool how they do this, where it's... Their, their memory is online, and so they, with, with a little Roku remote type thing that they carry around, they can play 
there are memories on TVs for everyone to see and like, oh, look what happened to me today. And it's from their viewpoint. It's so ingenious how they do it and it works so well and it's just so good. But it's so depressing because there's some infidelity that is discovered in this episode and then it just – it is a downward spiral till, it, till the end and you're like, oh, that was oh, depressing but so good. So, so, so good and so worth watching. The concept is great. Acting is, of course, fantastic. And it's a great episode, but it does show that technology is not always a good thing. Next up is Be Right Back. Uh, after This is the first episode of season two. After learning about a new service that lets people stay in touch with the deceased, a lonely, grieving Martha reconnects with her late lover. And this is basically a better version of the movie Her. Uh, literally, that is what this movie, this show is. Uh, 48 minutes long, and I loved it. It was great. Great. The acting is so good. And the, uh, it's uh, what this woman does. I, I can understand all of what she does uh, as a grieving person would do. And it's, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but it's a fantastic emotional drama with some science fiction thrown in there. But uh, really, really good. And if you liked the movie Her, you got to check out Be Right Back because I think it's even better than that movie. Uh, so White Bear is coming up next. And that is, uh, it's about Victoria waking up and cannot remember anything about her life. Everyone she encounters refuses to communicate with her. Sounds great. And the one that I'm halfway through is really good, actually. It's called The Waldo Moment. A failed comedian who voices a popular cartoon bear named Waldo finds himself mixing in politics when the TV executives want Waldo to run for office. And it's really, really good, too. Every one of these is, it's just, it's very well made, and uh, I'm. I love these. Uh, I love these uh, gems in the rough, and that's what uh, this is. So anyway, um, I'm going to wrap up the Black Mirror uh, episode type discussion here. But please, please check that out. And and if you do have a region free Blu-ray player, uh, it's worth the money to import Blast Fighter. It is a fun time, um, but. Moving on from that stuff, next weekend, Friday night, City of the Living Dead at the Nightlight in Akron. Please come out, support the movie, uh, chill out with me at the bar, have a drink, uh, let's talk movies, and then on Saturday is The Beyond, and that is like the granddaddy of all, one of the granddaddies of all horror movies for me. I love that movie, I love uh, everything about it, I've talked about that movie uh, numerous times on this show and on uh, Movie Freaks and even Cinema Sidekicks. So come out for that movie. Um, and that's going to do it for my show today. Uh, but uh, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com and make sure to tune in to Movie Freaks. And uh, we're going to be having a new episode taped tonight. So check us out on iTunes. And then, of course, uh, give Cinema Sidekicks a listen as well. Uh, They've got a new episode out now that I'm looking forward to listening to. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what Steve's thoughts are on Zombie because Steve and his brother Maynard were nice enough to come out to watch Zombie on Saturday night. And I really appreciated that, that that he's supporting uh, Movie Freaks, Four Nights of Fulci. So they're very cool. So anyway, um, that's going to do it for my show today. And until next time, thanks for listening.